streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You did. Bob Marley, one law. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Forest. I'm your host, Cameron Lums Debro. So, a little bit of a jam-packed show today. I'm going to try to keep it around, you know, 50 minutes or so. I don't want it to be too lengthy. I don't want it to be too drawn out. Um, three real topics. I guess four, you could bring it up. Our, you know, NC State game, fallout from that. Wake Forest lost 30-21 on the road. I have now fallen out of both the AP poll and the coaches poll. A little bit of a look forward to the UNC game. Wake Forest finally gets to come back home after spending the last few weeks on the road. Just kind of break down, you know, initial thoughts of what we'll see there, what's what's going to happen there. Also, when we talk about the NC game, you know, think about, you know, what's going on with the team right now. I think the fair question is what's going on. And then I'm going to kick it over to uh, basketball, both basketball recruiting. There was an official visitor this weekend, as well as on Monday. So I'm assuming when you're listening to this, there will be a basketball game happening that actually counts in the standings. Wake Forest will be taking on Fairfield. So without further ado, let's get into it. So Saturday night, Wake Forest fell 30-21 against NC State in a game that I mean, the, the best way to put what's been happening is, I mean, in, I put a poll out on Twitter today that essentially asked the question, you know, if right now, if, if before the season you were told a week ago, nine and three or eight and four, how would you feel? And I believe they, the answers I put were like pretty happy, meh, but pretty fine, elated and disappointed. It was a question that was asked of me and I wanted it to, I genuinely wanted to know the actual pulse of the fan base. This, my opinion, I did not put my opinion out there in terms of how I, I how I actually felt, but, you know, I mean, Wick's kind of barreling towards that, and I thought it was a fine question. You know, looking towards the game, I mean, I think that last week against Louisville, Wick Forest just got their tails whipped, and it was pretty noticeable. And on Saturday against NC State, they just didn't, they just didn't play well, and you, they, they, it was a game that they should have won. I think, you know, credit to NC State, they, they did what they needed to do. But just from watching it and rewatching that game, that was a game that Wake had essentially every chance in the world to really extend the lead, to really, you know, get back into things. And, you know, I, I don't think that I, I – I think the defense definitely has something, you know, with they didn't get the stop they needed to, and I think that's important. I don't think they're playing the ball in the air as well as they could be. But, I mean – on the whole, I don't think the offense is holding up their part of the bargain. You know, before the season, I think everyone has kind of assumed and kind of felt that there was essentially an agreement being made. And there's always an agreement pretty much being made in terms of Wake Forest offense and Wake Forest defense. And just saying, look, we're going to give you 30 to 40 points a game on offense. We need you to just hold them to less than 30, essentially, and we'll go from there. Wake's not, Wake, I don't think we'll ever be a team that is going to consistently be a, you know, we'll go out there and hold them to 16, 17 points total in 150 total yards and just be this dominating swarming defense. But, you know, they're going to be a team that is going to be respectful. They're going to be a team that, you know, you want them to be in the middle of the pack, you know, 65, 70 in terms of most averages. And I think they, especially in like that first half, I think they achieved that. If you told me 
you know, before the game, that at half, don't give me the score. Wake is out gaining NC State by about 60 yards. And by that 60 yards, I mean, you, by, NC State has less than 150 yards of total offense. They're three for eight on third down. You know, sacks both ways are kind of even. Wake's got a couple sacks. NC State's got a couple tied for loss. We're about even four to five. Time of possessions, uh, I think Wake probably has another 20, 30 seconds or so. You know, Wake's offense is five for nine on third down. I'm thinking Wake is probably up like 21 to 10 or 21 to seven at that point. But they weren't. I mean, they were down 17, 14 going into the half. And I think the biggest thing across the board is just outside of the wide receivers. And I, I'll, I don't want to put, I think the running backs are kind of in purgatory right now. A lot of what's happening with the running backs is not so much they're running into the wrong holes or running into them. I think that was what the problem was. Not that, that was what the problem was against Liberty. But what's been happening is they're just getting met in the backfield and it's on second down and 10 and, you know, the quarterback has a has an RPO and handing it off in a seven eight man box and what do you what do you want a running back to do at that point? I I I I, I, I you can't just you can't just bounce that side. Even I think I think Kenneth Walker and not so much the special type of player he is. I just think that I think he might have just kind of corrupted a bit of what people's expectations are in terms of what a running back should be able to do. If I go to Ohio State and a five-star and trade John Henderson and asked him to do what's happening right now, I think you'd probably see the same sort of results that you're getting out of Wicks running backs right now. If you ask a running back to run into a seven, eight-man box when you're blocking five, six people, that's probably going to end up poorly for you. And that is what keeps happening there. Just It's just a misread at times. Sometimes it's, there have been times it's a, it's a handoff and I've kind of been confused about that but especially the times that it's been a conscious choice instead of pulling it it, it it's kind of weird and you know I feel like the running backs don't get their just due and, and are just you know but in this bit of a purgatory uh place I mean, after the game you know obviously you look at post-game win expectancy all that all that fun jazz that friend of the program Bill Connolly likes to put out and you know it had Wake at a 32.4% win probability. And I was like, that felt about right. You know, at the end of the game, if you take out the game of the game stats, you outgained the other team by hundred by almost 100 yards. You were better than them, both on offense and on defense, on third downs and fourth downs. You stunk on the early downs and you threw, stunk on the early downs, you threw three bad, and I mean bad, interceptions. And you didn't score from the one yard line on a first, on a first and goal from the one yard line. That that's that's your game. And again, I, I I it is very cognizant of the fact that we did not get one the one stop they needed to. And they were getting they were getting stops a decent amount of the game. Um, whether that stop is an actual, you know, full on punt or whether that stops an actual just you know three points, they were getting they were holding. NC State out of the offense more often than not, well, more, way more often than not, the offense just never really responded to that. And like that's that's prominent, you know, again, credit NC State. The defense is a very good defense and they were blitzing like hell. That's kind of their style. 
I don't think Wake's really going to see another team like they have in terms of the defenses that Louisville and that Louisville and NC State are. And by I don't think is I I mean UNC doesn't do that, and like Duke doesn't do that, Syracuse doesn't do that, and it's not so much you know okay cool you know, maybe those teams decide to adjust and start start bringing seven eight guys and sure they can do that you know it's not necessarily in their wheelhouse but maybe they do maybe they don't but i I don't think that i don't think that wake forest necessarily will play another team like louisville or nc state or clemson that primarily brings a ton of pressure whether that pressure is from four people like in clemson or from louisville or nc state that thrive on really throwing some numbers at you and seeing what you can do that do about it Uh, i don't think they get to play those teams and you know i don't Necessarily think it's going to be if this is going to be the reason Wake Forest goes three and zero and the rest of the way. And I, I I don't know what's going to happen in the rest of the season, but I don't think they play a team like that the rest of the year. So I mean, yeah, that's the game right there. Is you weren't great on early downs, you threw bad interceptions, and didn't score from the one. I, and I think that is squarely on the offense. I, th- I think it's just outside of the receivers. I mean, they, I think Sam Sam Hartman. I went back through all three throws for you know, what he threw. And I think there was a very stark departure from what Dave Cawson usually does in terms of talking about the turnovers. I mean, even last week against Louisville, he was pretty, pretty effusive in his defense of like, Hey, look, I mean, it's just a complete and total, you know, they whooped us up front and all these different things. I went back to Pitt and, you know, that was essentially, he wanted to mention that Wake Forest didn't do well up front. This was the first time in a while that I think he, was the first time ever really that he was just like we just threw bad interceptions um, and I think Sam had some decent throws I think he had some big time throws I think the last touchdown the AT was was a gorgeous throw I think that was for everything that that kind of proved the, the chemistry those two have and I think that was that on display right there there are a couple of throws to you know Banks and Green that were great you know there's sometimes that the wide receivers definitely definitely help them out a bit but I mean it's a passes are, are, are a two-way thing it's you know not some a lot of, sometimes you're able to discern like that's either just a really good throw or this is a really good catch. Um, you know, and I think that has to be kind of under has to be understood. But you know, I don't think I don't think Sam's playing well. I don't think the off I know the offensive line is playing well. And I mean it's I think it's just guys doing too much. I think it's honestly just guys thinking they have to do too much. We kind of saw it when guys were would see there was I think twice that. Javiante Nash, who I don't know if he's 100%. I know he left the Louisville game with an injury and went up and just threw up everywhere on Saturday night. I don't know if he's 100%, but I mean, you could tell that he, you could tell a lot of guys are just not necessarily, I don't want to say not focused. I think everyone's focused. I, I think that they're just not playing when they're trying to they're trying to press too much. You know, they'll see a blitz coming and be like, like crap, 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 crap. I can't get I can't get beat. I can't get beat again. I can't I, this can't happen again. And you know, false start. And a false start. And it's just these procedural things. Like Wake, Wake is just not a team that can deal with Wake's not Wake's never going to be a team that out athletes you. I think a lot of times when you see other teams like a, a UGA or a Bama or even a Clemson who got smacked around on Saturday. When you see these teams have these games of like three and four interceptions and 10 penalties and all this stuff, but they still kind of come out on top. A lot of that, a lot of time it's because they are just 
playing teams that they're just better than in terms of their athletes. And Wake doesn't have that luxury in conference play. Like that's it's they I don't think Wake played essentially that well the first three games of the year. But and I mean especially the Liberty game, but I mean they were just better athletes and better players than the teams they were facing. And I think once they got to, once you once they got on the roll and everything, I think the bye week had a decent impact on them. I think they were finally starting to get into a rhythm. And then I don't know what happens to Dave Clawson teams after bye weeks. And I don't think Dave Clawson, I don't know if Dave Clawson issue. It's just a what we've seen. Like after the bye week, you know, things are just a little rusty. But it looked like it's looked like the first couple of weeks they have been playing about as rusty as they did the first two weeks of the season. And it looks like they're trying to finally start get that rhythm back. Um, we'll see in the first three games since the bye week. And, you know, it's been, it's been kind of, kind of the same sort of story the last three games as it was the first three games. That mean game four will be the same sort of offensive explosion that game four was for this season. I have no idea. I really don't know. But yeah, I, just, I, I don't think there's, I get, I get calls for adjustments and this and that. That's fine. Uh, that can be. I think there's always adjustments that need to be made. That needed to be made. Everyone needs. Everyone makes adjustments. It would be, someone would be an idiot if you actually think Wake Forest doesn't adjust or any team doesn't adjust. I got a. I got a some nice oceanfront property in Iowa for you. But I know. I think could there be some adjustments made? Absolutely. Um, but again, I, like I said last week, I don't think there's an adjustment. I don't think I know there's not really an adjustment for playing poorly and I think the offense is just playing poorly and you just have guys that aren't blocking you don't have guys that guys are just getting dumb penalties you have just bad throws like it's just the just the whole thing of just not playing well and I don't think it's a scenario where we will beat them twice because this wasn't a game where things kind of snowballed I didn't see the whole spiraling effect from the offense just the game that just they just didn't play well down the down and that's that's an issue, but I mean, it's got to play better in the day. You know, I've got some, I've, I've seen some stuff around that's like, you know, this is a major step back for the program, and you know, even if they go eight and four, nine and three, it's a major step back. I I would heavily push against that. Would I be necessarily disappointed with? I would be I'd be disappointed with eight and four. Um, you know, I think you I think going into the season you have to say you. I I thought you needed to be at least one of NC State, UNC, Louisville, and Clemson. I think you needed to beat at least one of them. And if you go in four, that means you either either beat one of them or lost to a huge team that I think is starting to fall apart. Or you lost to Duke, who was a better than expected team, but I think we saw them on Thursday, on on Friday with the BC game of they're not there yet. They're and which is fine. They're they're a completely rebuilding team. That's fine, but they're not there yet. So yeah, I, I, I think I'd personally be disappointed with eight and four. Nine and three, I think I'd be pretty fine, but meh. I think, you know, if you if you sit here and went out the rest of the year, I think that means a lot to your team in terms of are you are you going to a bowl game? Are going yes, you're going to a bowl game. Are you going to, you know, the orange bowl? No, I think that that dream also died with Clemson getting smacked around yes on on Saturday. Um no, you're not you're not going to that and you know, but you can still have a pretty pretty damn good argument for a tier one bowl at nine and three. 
And I think a lot of the, a lot of bowl representatives and a lot of that sort of process is partially tickets. You know, that's always going to be a thing, but a massive, massive, massive part of it is what have you done for me lately? Football is a, what have you done for me lately sort of team. And, you know, Wake is right outside the top 25 in terms of both the AP and the coaches poll. You rattle off three straight wins. Basically everyone I talked to with the AP poll yesterday, uh, today and yesterday, essentially were like, I have no idea what to do with like 15 through 25 on this, on this AP poll. So I think, you know, you rattle off three straight wins. You could, you'll be, you can be back to like 18, 17. And I think that, and I think that would be an acceptable season. I think that, I think that'd be an acceptable season. I understand people. I understand I me, mean, even myself. I, I, I had 11 in one of my predictions and, you know, predictions are wrong sometimes a lot of times if I was perfect then I'd be <laughs> I would be filthy rich but I think that nine and three going into the season would be in it would be something that I'd be okay with I think that is something I'd be and I don't and I don't, that's, I don't think that's saying you're kind of a little old Wake Forest sort of mindset I think would not think winning nine games is hard winning games is hard like not everyone can be a top 25 team, but you know, winning nine games in a, in a season is a pretty good feat. And I don't necessarily think it's the fact that wake is losing the games. I think the way that wakes lost these games, they lost a game against Clemson that they could have, they very honestly should have won. I mean, post game when expected gave us the fact that they should have won in terms of how you know down the down it was. They played their best game and lost. Louisville just kind of was the snowball game that everyone kind of you know, breaks us for once a year. And, you know, last week, last night against C State was they had, they controlled a lot of the game in terms of they had their opportunities and just didn't do anything with it. I think the way they lost their losing the game, it's not so much the fact that they lost them. But yeah, I think I'd be fine with nine and three. Um, I think I'd honestly be fine. Eight and four, I would not be, I'd be, I wouldn't be necessarily burn things down, but I would be like, hey, that's a disappointing season. Um, but nine and three, I think, nine and three, then you go out and win a bowl game, I'd be, I'd be pretty happy with that. I'd be, I'd be like, okay, you know, you, I'd be pretty happy with it for the, for, for pre-flop. And I'd be pretty happy with it because I think what you would tell, what you would be saying is, did we disappoint in the game in certain, in certain games? Yes. That is, that does not go away. However, what I think is at nine and three and especially 10 and three, I think that what you've said, at least throughout this year is, you're able to grow up and mature after you've experienced adversity. And that are, that's something a lot of teams do not do. A lot of times teams will get on a, on a two game losing streak and that will just be it. Things will just spiral from there. I mean, that might be Syracuse. Like I, I think that happens a lot more than people want to want to admit, but I think being able to say, you know, you, you had your rough games and, you had some missed opportunities and that's always going to be, you know, you had, you had missed opportunities and that's something that you're going to have to live with. But I think the fact that you pick yourself off, off the mat and can, and if you run the table, I think that, I think that bodes well in terms of the future, because again, I mean, I can look at the, I can look at the, excuse me, the death chart. And yeah, I mean, the, what is this, is this supposed to be Wake's most talented team? Probably ever. I think so. 
But in terms of, you know, what bring back next year, are there questions for next year? Absolutely. But you return a ton next year. I mean, out of your tight ends, you probably return all of them, except for obviously Jaeger Bull. But you replace Jaeger Bull with Michael Froge, who honestly would be the second, would be the number two tight end this year. Um, I love what Cameron Knight's been doing, but very high on Cameron, on, on, my, on Michael Froge. Um, at tackle, uh, I think you might get a Spencer Clapp back. Um, I know you're going to lose Jeff Gunton Nash, but I think you'll get a guy like Clapp and you'll, you'll have guys like a CJL, Elmanus, uh, Christian Forbes. You lose them again, you get Goldman back, you get Cell back, and, you know, they're really high on, on Cell. They're, they're very high on Cell. And they're, and they're high on Goldman. I know he's a little young, but, you know, I think, I think, I think on the interior, uh, you could possibly have Michael Jurgens back, Zach Vaughn. Uh, Luke Pettibone will be, will be fine in terms of spring. I think he just had to step back. So I think we'll be, I think they'll kind of just really hold him out the rest of the year and then get him and then have him be hundred percent for the spring, which it's fine. You know, you can't really replicate game reps, but you also don't want to throw a guy out there. Like he went last year, he was playing on a torn ACL for multiple games down the stretch. So just want him to be fully healthy. And I think he'll be fully healthy when it comes to spring. I don't think they'll, I don't think there'll be any red jerseys on him come January. Uh, you lose Loic, but they are extremely high on a 6'2", 330 guy in, in Nick Sharp, man. They are really high on him. Devontae Gordon, who's on, Devontae Gordon's honestly been playing well. After starting the season out not playing well, Devontae Gordon's been playing pretty well. Um, so like I said, so Elmanus, you get, you're going you're gonna to get Donovan Green back. Jack Hensley, A.T. Perry, um, H. Perry will be gone. Jamal Banks, Wesley Grimes. Uh, I, think, I think Wesley will be a little bit of a factor, maybe like a fourth or fifth guy next year. They are insanely high on Horatio Fields, who missed, who's out for the season with an ACL. Feels like a running theme, doesn't it? Um, Taylor Moran, Keyshawn should be back. I think everyone likes what they see out of Mitch. You know, I think Mitch is a more bigger run threat. And then you should pretty much retire your entire running back crew besides maybe Christian Turner. So, and I think they prepare, I think they're prepping for Christian to, to possibly be just because he's been in school for five years at this point. And, you know, sometimes people move on and I think we'd be, we all appreciate him whether he comes back or not, but I think they're prepping for him to possibly leave. I mean, defense yet. Yeah, I mean, you're, they're trying to reload it defensive tackle, but I mean, you return Jasheen, Bernard Gooden, Corey Johns, Kendra Wayman, BJ Williams, and they're really kind of high on their defensive end class. Linebackers, you linebackers, you replace everyone but Spenda, and Spenda's been playing well, but you replace essentially your entire linebackers, and then you are you bring back your essentially entire not essentially you bring back everyone in the secondary minus Jamal Martin. So I think you come back and you have a another year of being a really team. Do you have questions to answer? Yeah, but I think it's a not necessarily. I don't. I think if you go nine and three, I don't think you're necessarily positioning yourself to, to be a step back. I think next year's schedule is a lot harder. I think it's a lot harder. And I think next year is a one that, you know, I would, I don't know if I'd be thrilled with eight and, um, eight and four, nine and three, but it, it's one that sets up that, you know, it's all, it's weird projecting your head for your team, but just looking at the schedule, it's one that you're like, Oh, you pull, you pull on nine and three out of the schedule. And I'd be, I'd be pretty happy. I'd be pretty happy with that. But that's, but I don't, I don't think it's necessarily a step back. I think, and I, again, I'm saying this now, 
And this is something if you know me and I've talked about, I've always thought that next year was going to be the year that you kind of go eight and four, nine and three. But that 2024 schedule is that schedule is nice. <laughs> so I think you're kind of, you know, building that. But just to finish off this season, you can go if you can run the table and go nine and three, I I'm happy with that. And I think that's where I land. Um, so before we get to the UNC game, as well as basketball and some basketball recruiting notes, let's hear a word from our sponsor. So the UNC game, it is a game that, I mean, I feel like has lost a little bit of its luster a bit in terms of like national appeal, but then I kind of see the total opens up and all my friends are texting me from that were nowhere near the North Carolinas at all. And they're just like, Tell me that there's a game with a 78 and a half total right now. Um, yeah, so Wake Forest hosts UNC on Saturday. It is a lovely, and I mean absolutely lovely, uh, 7.30 p.m. kickoff. I will be in Scottsdale, so that is, what, 5.30 for me? Woohoo! Um, great for football watching, though. Great for that. But, yeah, Wake Forest opens up as a three-point favorite. I, I mentioned it on Twitter. I might have mentioned on the on the twenty percent of the board as well. Not surprised in the slightest. This is not me trying to denigrate the the UNC team. I am zero percent surprised that Wake Forest is favorite at home against a top seventeen team, the number seventeen team in the country. I am not shocked at all. I think fans have kind of had this picture of the Wake team is worse than they actually are. I mean, you know, if you're a fan, things are. Things are never as unless you're winning a title. Things are never as good as you think they are, and unless you're Hawaii or Vanderbilt right now, things are never as bad as what they are. Sorry, Vanderbilt, love you guys, um, but no, I don't think anything's ever as good or as bad as as they seem. You know, right after a game, the week after a game, it's never it's never that good or never that bad. Um, you can never, you just can't get too high and too low. That's part of being part of being a fan is getting too high and too low. But no, I think the metrics are still saying Wake Forest is a pretty damn good team. And I think the metrics are telling us that they don't believe in UNC's defense. And they're not necessarily saying they're believing in Wake's offense, but I mean, Wake's, not, Wake's defense, excuse me. But I mean, total of 70 and a half, Wake minus three. Uh, I really hate spread math sometimes. I think it really it really annoys me. But I think that would put that at what, like a 45 to 40 or 45 to 42 game, 46 to 43 sort of game. Um, which I think we always think it's completely fine and completely fair. I would not be shocked in the slightest if this spread moved to three and a half or four by the time 9 a.m. hits on Monday. And I don't mean the school, I don't, and I don't mean the spread completely flips towards UNC at minus three and a half, minus four. I think, I think this spread is going to move towards Wake Forest. I mean, it's it's a match. Like, like I said earlier, like I said earlier, Wake is no longer going to be facing teams that are going to sit here and bring eight guys. That's not an adjustment people make on the fly. Can you occasionally blitz? You know, seven eight guys. Absolutely. But that is some that that is something that you cannot just throw in your playbook and say, yeah, you know, this game we're going to sit we're going to sit here and throw the house. That that has not been 
that has not been UNC's mantra this year. Um, that's not been Gene Chizik's. That's not been Gene Chizik's uh, scheme ever. Gene Chizik's scheme is: I'm not going to get beat deep. I'm going to be a very, a very versatile defense. I'm going to, you know, you're going to expect a four-two-five. You know, the personnel is kind of really, uh, really all over the place. But what you look at their defense is it's going to be cover two, cover four. Like, and if you've seen what has been happening when Wake plays teams that play cover two, cover four, that's the style of defenses they love to play. It's, it, it allows them to, I know we all kind of look at, you know, Jamal Banks and sometimes Eddie Perry and Donovan Green, these highlight real catches against man coverage. Wake definitely prides themselves in being teams and being a team that can win those one-on-one jump balls. But this isn't their – I think they didn't necessarily like what they had in terms of the years of Sage Ryan and Scotty Watch. I think they love those players, but having both of them on the field at the same time and being those kind of jump ball guys, that's not what they want. They want one guy that's jump, that's a jump ball um, guy on the outside. They want one guy that's, that's, a, that's an obscene route runner at the Z, and then they want a guy that's a, in slot that's quick and fast. But that guy who wins the jump balls is still a very good route runner. Kevin Higgins is one of the most, I don't want to use the word neurotic, but he is very particular about how his guys run routes. And I mean, being a wide receiver, you have to you have to be able to run routes. Like it's not just run, but you have to be crisp in your routes. And I think we saw that from a, a fair amount of time on Saturday of, you know, guys were running routes. And I think that's why the wide receivers were doing well is the, they were running routes extremely crisp. And whenever State went to a zone, they, they beat him. I think NC, I think UNC, I think Gene Chizik has always been a cover two, cover four kind of guy that has always been recovered to. And I think he's, he's running a lot more about a cover, cover four of just saying, I'm not going to get beat deep. Wake has excelled that there, that was the that was the defense that Army played against them. That was defense for State played against them. That was the defense that um like that, like this is I I would probably say that Boston College must have played more cover one, but then he went to cover two once their guys could not stop getting beat. Um and they still couldn't stop getting beat. Vanderbilt, same sort of things. Vanderbilt played nothing but cover two, and it was not good. This is this is what this is the type of matchup if you were scripting out any sort of thing that wake forest would be really adept in taking advantage of and they have the last two years now yeah because i mean it's it's a just i'm just kind of thinking about what is happening in terms of like what gene Jessup wants to do what he wants to do is just force completions in front of the safeties it's like the safeties are going to kind of play high. You know, you're going to get your eight, seven, eight, nine yard, yard catch, whatever. But we don't want you to have the 2025. 20, the issue with that for UNC this year is they haven't been able to really put all. They've been able to string together for a couple of games, but the people that they've done it against have it, it's been you know kind of the same sort of thing. You know, looking through a schedule, four a.m. game. Which was kind of wild. And Florida was able to move the ball on them. And they were like, "What's going on here?" App State, who 
does not look good anymore, put up 61 against them. Georgia State, who is not a good team, put up 20. It was 35-28. Notre Dame has not scored. <laughs> Notre Dame's offense has been much, much maligned this year. Uh, they score the most amount of points in their season against UNC. Uh, just like you keep going back through it and, you know, and then you get to their stretch board, you know, they're playing well in defense and, you know, three out of the four games, they blanket it during attack. Miami only held them 24 points, 24. And then, you know, Pitt held them 24, held them and Izzy to 24 points. Izzy still got his, but they just didn't do anything passing wise. Uh, but I mean, you, then you look at the Duke game where Duke was moving the ball pretty well against them and Virginia, who has been, for lack of a better word, dog water this year on offense, I'd wager that this was their best offensive showing by far all year. I mean, Brent Armstrong went 17-35 for 232 through a pick, but at 64 yards and, and two touchdowns on the ground, Mike Collins carried for about almost five yards, carried for seven, on seven, uh, 16 carries, 75 yards, so that's almost five of a clip. Ronnie Walker Jr., five a clip. 30 yards and a touchdown. Xavier Brown, 17 yards and a touchdown. Like, like UVA was moving the ball against them, and they haven't been able to move the ball against really anybody. And, you know, I'm not, again, this is, I, UNC is a, excuse me, UNC is the top, I can call them the top 17 team. They're number 15 in the, in the polls. They're a team that is essentially Wake Forest 2021. And I know that's a really sometimes hard thing to hear, but and I thought Wake Forest 2021 was a really, really, really good team. But I think there are certain tiers of teams, and I think they're in that tier of they are elite on one side of the ball, but they are the complete opposite end of the spectrum on the other side of the ball. And that holds them back. I think they are a team that has... The one worry in terms of UNC that I've had all year and, you know, the strength of schedule has been kind of light. And I don't think, I don't think anyone would not even, not even saying, Oh, you're trying to be mean to UNC. I don't even think UNC fans would be able to say that they've played exactly a murderous row. I mean, the best team they've played is Notre Dame and Notre Dame handled them pretty easily. Um, Second best team they played this year would probably be Duke. And I think Duke's a fine team. I don't know if Duke's necessarily I think I think they're a five. They're a five team, um, and Duke gave them all they could handle. The biggest worry I've had for UNC this year has been what happens when you play a team that is competent on both sides of the ball. I don't think you need to be a world beater on either side of the ball. I think you. I I think it's just a what happens when a team is solid on both ends, because a lot of these games that they've been playing have been Virginia Tech is probably the second worst team in the ACC. Miami's offense stinks. They stink. Miami stinks this year. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh can't throw the ball. Their defense has also been kind of suspect, like in the secondary, but they also, they're super one-dimensional. They can't, they can't throw the ball at all. Um, Pat Ardiz doesn't want them to throw the ball anyway, so I guess that checks out. Um, UVA. Very, very good defensively. They have some of the best corners in the ACC. Miserable on offense. 
And I think that kind of that kind of caught up to them in that first half. Um, you know, Duke, I don't think is necessarily Duke is a solid team. And I think Duke, Duke essentially gave them everything they could handle in that game. And it was to the point where, I mean, I mean, I think I think postgame respectively definitely had it tilted towards uh, tilted towards towards UNC. You know, I think UNC wasn't necessarily lucky to win that game, but I mean, Duke gave them everything they could handle. They gave them a, I th- Duke had the ball what on their own twenty five, got it down to the UNC what forty seven, and then you know kind of throw a pick at the end of the game. Um, I mean, they also had a missed field goal that could have made it thirty eight thirty one and sent this thing in overtime. Um, yeah, like Duke, like Duke, gave, Duke, for all of their flaws, gave them was giving them the business, and you know that's where I think a, a, why Vegas and why certain people are probably going to lean Wake Forest in this game. I don't know say where I will lean in terms of like my actual pick. It's only Sunday, but I don't think that that spread is necessarily something wild uh, like i think i think people are, are going to be a bit snake bitten after the last two weeks for wake forest but for the people that have no emotional attachments and say i watch the games i take the data and go from here they're going to probably align on essentially wake forest being the favorite in this game being at home also helps with you know for the three point bump right there but in terms of you know, if I like I said, I don't I wouldn't be surprised if this ballooned to three and a half or four just for Monday alone. And if it's a four point spread, that means that Wake Forest would be you know a one point favorite on a neutral field. And so it's like I think that tells you all I think that tells you what you need to know of what uh of what the people that have no emotional attachment to the teams say about both of these teams. Moving on to basketball, I'm going to get to the basketball recruiting before I do the actual basketball uh, preview. So on this past weekend, Lajid Mbele, he is a, I'd call him a power forward. I don't think he necessarily is able to grow into, he might, he might be more of like a Zach Keller type in terms of, you know, maybe he grows a couple more inches and can be 6'9", you 6'10", know, and can play, play the four, maybe a, a small ball five. I had an official visit to Wake Forest this weekend. Took an official visit to Iowa the, the weekend prior, and is on a unofficial visit to Rutgers as we speak. Uh, check, checked in on that, and he did make it to Rutgers. I know that's a bad sign for anyone. Um, I don't. I don't know if Wake Forest leads in this necessarily, but I think Wake Forest is in a good spot. You're always in a good spot when you get the last official visit before deciding. And I think he wants to decide. I believe the last reporting was. He's looking to have a decision by this upcoming Wednesday. You know, I think Rutgers being an unofficial visit, I don't think you have any pause or anything. It's like, okay, well, you know, you're from New Jersey. It's a pretty easy thing to be like, hey, on your way back from Wake, you know, you want to you want to just stop in for an official visit, walk it, watch watch practice before uh, before our seasons before our season starts. I think it's pretty that's pretty easy sell for me to a kid that lives in New Jersey. Um, I think this ultimately probably comes down to the Iowa Wake Forest unless something massively occurs on this unofficial visit to Rutgers. Right now, I probably would lean Wake Forest. Um, I think there's a lot going for them. I think he's a, he's a very good friend 
of Aaron Clark. I, I know he very much enjoyed that. I, I believe his host was Bobby Clintman. I think he very much enjoyed being on campus and kind of learning things. The style definitely fits him. There's a connection with Tory Johnson. I haven't really stiffed out what it is, but I know there's a connection there. So it's a really weird person to have that connection with. But you're awake. You can kind of take what you can get. Uh, he is currently rated as an 88, so high three star on 24-7 sports, 6'8", 230. I think he's a guy that you kind of just kind of stash and figure it out from there. I think they're in a position to do that, especially with that at that position. So um, I think we'll hear more about this come come maybe Tuesday. I think, you know, after the basketball game, we'll definitely see, you know, what you can step out. But, you know, the, right now the, the thought process is he's announcing or want to have a decision by Wednesday, whether or not that's where he announced. We'll see. But, you know, I, I, I like where Wake is at right now. Uh, there's no silent. There's no silence out there for any team. I can confirm that for all three. So they are, so we'll see. Um, I like I said, I have a stance. They're in a good position to add to the class and then figure out what they, where they're going from there. I don't think it necessarily precludes them from anyone else they've offered. So if you haven't been around or just haven't seen things last week, um, I had an update on a brand new prospect all the way from Denmark, uh, Marcus Mitrovich Marion. He's a guy that uh, it's he's six eight, two hundred pounds. He's a he's a bulky guy um, playing in you know Danish the Danish league. And you know while it's hard to you know he 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 acknowledged in the article that I put out that he has to you know, he's gonna have to get stronger just because the people are more physical in the states than they are overseas, which is fine, but. I mean, he's playing against a bunch of guys that are, you know, what, D3 guys, probably. And, but I mean, if you're, he and he's been playing well over there. And if you're playing well at 18 years old over there, I think you'll be fine when you move over to the States and playing some D1 guys, especially as you get older and get into a, an actual um, regiment and start playing against better players. Uh, offers from Dayton, DePaul, Marquette, Xavier. I know UCLA is checking in on him pretty repeatedly. So um, I think this is one that Wake was smart to get in and on early. Uh, I'd expect him to start to take a visit to Wake Forest in December. Um, official or unofficial, I haven't really snipped that out yet, but I th- he'll be, he should be on campus in December or January. So I, I think it'll be December. That's when the season will be over and he'll be able to you know, get over in the States and take some visits. It's not as easy as just, hey, you know, I'm in Buffalo. Let's just get a flight. No, he's got to go through customs. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but I, I think they're in a good position there. But, I mean, it's a long way to go in that recruitment. The finale is the opener, which is a weird kind of juxtaposition. Uh, on Monday night, Wake Forest will open the season against Fairfield at home. Uh, this is going to be an interesting team to see this year. Uh, Jao Tuka just, by the way, will not be playing. I don't know if it'll be, I'm sure a lot of people have seen it, but just no, Jao Tuka has knee injury out for a few more days we'll see you know how he progresses i'm sure people asked about that during the press conference after the game i mean fairfield was a scrappy team last year they were a team that played i think they played three different um actual what is the word i want to give for that power six um they played two power six teams um they played providence and boston college lost 80 80 73 against providence 72 64 against boston college uh Against the Ken Palm top 100, they played Iona. Shout out Rick Pitino. 
Uh, they actually were beating them by 11 points with seven and a half minutes left before losing by four, 80 to 76. Uh, they're a scrappy team. This is, I don't think it's going to be a game where, you know, you look around and go, oh yeah, Wix, Wix up by 30, 35. If they're up by 35 points, I think that's a really good, I think that's a fantastic sign. But this is a team that's going to be scrappy. And I think that, you know, Wake, Wake should win this. Um, I never want to say will because you never know what happens. But Ken Palm has this at 76, 64. I think we will be, I think this will be an interesting time to see um, what a guy like Andrew Carr has. I, I would be really intrigued to see what, you know, I, he's going to be matched up against one of Fairfield's best players, Supreme Cook, uh, 6'9", 220. Um, he's a fine, fine defender, fine, uh, fine scorer last year for Fairfield. But I think it'll be an interesting test to see, you know, how much better is it is his car than that. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more from the just from the scrimmage that they um, that was actually not secret. I think people were necessarily weren't necessarily pleased with how the team rebounded. You know, I think your team that you're, I think this is a team that you should be able to rebound well against, and let's see if it happens. Um, I don't really, I wasn't really too from at least when I heard from people that were there and talking to people around the program. I don't think there was any sort of worry about you know, the offensive sets and everything. They were subbing pretty liberally. I think now we'll start to see them have an actual pattern and you know, see who's and still kind of seeing who's in the rotation. But I think there'll be more of a pattern to the madness there. That's why I also don't take a lot from exhibitions because they waxed the floor with Ohio State prior to that. So and then they come out against a you know the worst team than Ohio State. And I don't think they struggle, but I don't think it was necessarily the dominating performance that you know, people, some people were hoping for. But, I mean, exhibitions, you can't really glean much from them. I think this would be a team that I, – I, I, I will say this until I'm blue in the face. I think this will be closer to a Wake Forest uh, – to a Steve Forbes team that he actually prefers in terms of the scoring. I think it's just going to be a balanced score. I think you're going to have five different nights and have five different – four or five different leading scores. I think it's going to be – it's not going to be last year. And I don't think – I don't think Forbes was, was mad about last year. I think you had guys like Jake Faravia and Lawrence Williams, and they're playing in the NBA. I think you have this year just more bounce. And I, and I think that's a style that Steve Forbes like prefers. And I think it's nice to be able to be like, okay, cool. Someone doesn't have to say they can just shut down one person. It's, you know, I got four or five different guys out here that can, that can really score. That can really score. Um, I think there'll be a lot better on defense this year. I think, I think there would be a better three point shooting team this year. Actually. I think, I think, I have bought into the Kool-Aid, and I think they'll be pretty good shooting three ball. Oh, I'm interested to see how this team progresses. I mean, they're a younger team, and younger teams can be frustrated. They can be pretty, pretty frustrated. Um, and I think that's from just an, an, an inconsistency standpoint. Of, you know, if you're young, you, you don't have as many reps, and you don't have as many minutes. And that's across pretty much all sports. So, you know, I'm interested to see, you know, how that consistency goes from game to game, but this should be – this should be one that Wake Forest walks away with and is pretty uh, – I think this would be a game that Wake Forest fans would be happy about afterwards. You know, I, you know I, there's you know, fingers crossed. You never know what's going to happen. But we find uh, later in the, in the week on Friday, uh, they'll be playing UGA in a matchup of Cam's just entire life. Um, and, you know, I'll preview that a little more on the Thursday show. But, you know, I think they'll be a, for a good test, a little good barometer to see where they're at. 
Um, I think Wake will be fine in that game, but yeah, I, I think this will be a good. I think this will be a good day for Wake Forest. I think this will be a pretty, pretty good game for Wake Forest. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to all these. I really have been. I say this every time, but I am very, very, very appreciative of the support you guys have shown on the podcast and shown on boards and everything. Really appreciate you guys. Uh, wherever you can, uh, make sure to drop five stars. Leave, leave a comment. I'm always happy to. So if there's anything you think needs fixing, let me know. I'm always happy to make adjustments. And as always, good deeks. <laughs>